Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students Podcast. This week, Matt Densky opened up our new series, The Disruptor. In this series, we will be looking at how Jesus acts as a disruptor, changing the comfortable lives we like to live. Matt talks about how a lot of us want Jesus to have our hearts, but we don't want him messing up our normal lives in the process. Matt talks about part of his story and how he became a believer, looking at Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23, the verses that changed his life. Jesus brings healing, victory, and hope, but we have to allow him to disrupt our normal. Guys, welcome. Welcome to a new year, 2020. We missed you guys over the break. You guys have a good break? Have a good Christmas? Yeah? Was it just blah? No? Christmas is like the most magical, wonderful time of the year. Did you guys have a good one? No? Yeah? New Year, going well. Five days in. We're rocking it. Anybody have New Year's resolutions? Wow. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> yeah? You guys killing them so far or already? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm here, aren't I? <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> I start my resolutions January 6th. Thanks, sis. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Cool. Well, guys, I'm so glad you're here. We missed you over the break. We really did. We thought about you guys a ton. We missed you. We're celebrating the fact that you guys are here. We love you guys, man. We miss you. And I want to welcome you to to our student ministry, Fellowship Greenville students. If this is your first time here ever or first time in a while or you're a regular or whatever, I want to welcome you. Thank you guys for coming. My name is Matt Dinsky. I'm the student pastor here. Lucas, thanks, man. I appreciate that little shout out right there, the one. And, uh, and man, we just want you guys to know that more than anything, our heart is for you. And we want you to know that you belong here, that you have a place here, and that you're loved here. And it doesn't matter what you believe, doesn't matter where you come from, doesn't matter what happened in your life this very night as you walk through these doors, you belong here and you're loved here. And we believe that about you. So welcome to the student ministry and welcome to the new year. We love you guys. I... Uh, I like to watch TV. Anyone else? Anyone else enjoy? When I say TV, I'm sorry. I'm a little old school. I mean streaming. <laughs> like I haven't watched the TV in like years. But uh, I mean streaming. Anybody else enjoy, you know, just kind of, yeah, I dabble. So I saw a trailer for a new show on Netflix. And I saw the trailer like before Christmas. And I thought, oh, this show looks really interesting. And it dropped January 1st. And so uh, over the break, I watched some of it. It's called Messiah. Anybody see the show yet? Kind of get into the show? Warning, spoiler alerts. All right. I hate it when he does this, man. By the way, Darth Vader, Luke's father. Like, I know, man. I know. I know. I hate to ruin that for some of you guys. Um, so I started watching this show. It's called Messiah. So naturally, it kind of piqued my interest. I was like, oh, Jesus is Messiah. Um, the trailer was very intriguing, and it's about this, this Middle Eastern dude who is teaching these things and doing signs and wonders, and people are following him, much like our scriptures, our story, right, of Jesus. And from the trailer, you can't quite tell. Is this like Jesus in modern day? Is this like a, a hypothetical, this is what it would be like if Jesus were here? Or is this like someone else, con man, who knows? We don't know. So I started watching the show, and I want to be very honest with you guys. Let me save you some time. Towards the end, it just starts to get slow and boring and very confusing, and it's only a 10-episode season. It doesn't really go anywhere. Tons of loose ends. If you love that thing for a show that may or may not be picked up to ever tie up those ends, then this is your show. 
so fair warning, it's not the best show, especially as it progresses. But the first few episodes, like three in, they, I was like mesmerized by this show. Like I, I was like, I don't love binge watching because uh, it's just so easy. Like, oh, just one more, <laughs> like one more 60 minute segment. And then before you know it, it's like three days and you smell terrible, right? <laughs> like I don't love binge watching, so I try not to. Uh, but this one was very hard for me not to be like, okay, let me just, because it was just so compelling. And the story about this, this man that everyone is calling Messiah, and he's teaching these things that are so countercultural, and they take scriptures as people understand them, and then kind of shed light on the understanding in, in a new way. And, and some people get upset about that because it's like, you can't twist the scriptures. And that's exactly what Jesus did with the Old Testament, right? He unpacked it and revealed to its fullness what it meant. And the Pharisees were like, you can't do that. And then this guy in the show is like doing these miracles, these signs and wonders. He's healing. Oh, I don't, I don't, sorry, spoiler alert. He does these things. Uh, and um, and people are like, oh, what's the deal with this guy? Like, is, he, is this like real? Is he a magician? Like, what's going on here? And so people start to get up in arms, and then other people begin to follow him. And then as he moves from area to area, the cities become like gridlocked. Like, they just full-on shut down because the city's infrastructure cannot handle the amount of people that are pouring in to follow this Messiah and to see what he'll do next. And it's, he's kind of cryptic, and he speaks in these little riddleish things. And I mean, the whole time I'm watching him, like this is this is Jesus. This is exactly what Jesus was doing. And I was so compelled to kind of see a modern day idea of it. And I got to be honest with you guys, it was even though the show got boring and slow, it was so refreshing for me because it reminded me of one of the first reasons I ever fell in love with Jesus. It, it, his, his grittiness, his rawness, his, his humanity, like the fact that, that, that he's somebody I can relate to. And I want to I confess to you guys, I want to be honest, that I'm guilty of, I don't, I don't know if you guys are, I think we are, but I know especially I'm guilty of, slowly but surely I begin to define Jesus through the lens of my theology books that I study. Or I have, I have um, three degrees, and all of them are geared towards religion or divinity. And so, like the very scholarly approach to Jesus, I can begin to define him through the lens of that. Or I can begin to define him through the institution of the church, right? And it becomes very formal sometimes and proper. And it's like, oh, stained glass, Jesus, two fingers up, right? Like, <laughs> got him. And, and so, like, I know that I can do that, and I lose sight of... Jesus was a man. Like, it's one of the most compelling ideas of our faith. And especially if you grew up with Christianity or you grew up around people who believe in Jesus and you just kind of absorbed it through osmosis or you inherited it, you kind of miss this idea that our faith claims this, that at a certain point in history, about 2,020 years ago, God, who is spirit, and divine, and holy, and not material, decided he would become material. And he stepped out of the heavenly realm and stepped into an earthly one. And he put on skin and bones, and he became 
man, fully man, in our faith, like it, it kind of hit me over the break. I have, it sounds funny when you say it out loud, I have given my life to a five foot something Jewish man with olive skin who was a carpenter who lived about 2,000 years ago. I've made my entire life about this dude. Right? Like, don't we forget his humanity? Like, we start talking about God and the cosmos, and all that's true, but Jesus, although he was God, was also man, and he walked the streets, and he got dirty, and his feet smelled, and he embraced people, and he spent time with them, and he was teaching things and doing things, and the crowds just started following him, and cities were going into gridlock, and the government didn't know what to do with him, and the religious and the holy ones wanted to murder him, and all the broken people and the sinners wanted to be with him. That's the story of Jesus. And I was reminded through this Netflix show of the grittiness, the grassroots movement of Jesus, that he was a real person, a real man, who walked the streets of Israel, and people just wanted to follow him to see what he would do next. And so I was kind of captivated by the beauty of our story, of this story. And I was reminded, just like in the show, that Jesus, everywhere he went, he seemed to make waves. And so I started thinking about this idea, and, and, and it just kind of landed on Jesus is a disruptor. Like, that's what Jesus is. If, if, if you watch this show, it'll kind of give you this modern-day take where, like, governments are just freaking out. Like, what do we do? Like, he, he's bringing all these Palestinians up to the Israeli border. What, how do we, do we, do we let him? No, that we can't. And then all of a sudden, he's in Texas, and in the middle of a tornado, he's saving people. And then this caravan goes to D.C., and D.C. gets shut down. What do we do with this guy, man? And the news medias are blowing up, and Internet's going crazy, and social media's going crazy, and everybody's talking about this guy. What do we do with him? Because he's claiming some things that don't quite deserve death, but they're right on the line of it, and yet his reputation is growing, and he does miracles, and he teaches with authority, and we don't know how to handle them. This is the story of Jesus. He was a disruptor. He is a disruptor. Everywhere he went, he created waves, disrupted religion, disrupted government in some ways, disrupted sinners and their view of who God is, disrupted the righteous and their view of who God is. He is a disruptor, and it's honestly one of the first things I fell in love with about Jesus. And I thought, man, what better way to go into the new year than I would love to do a series to kick off this new year. We're starting it tonight, but I want to do a series called, this is very creative, called The Disruptor. I know, I know. Guys, they don't pay me the big bucks for nothing, okay? They actually don't pay me the big bucks. I want to do a series called The Disruptor, and I want to look at different categories, different elements of things that Jesus disrupted when he walked on earth. And I want to start the night with maybe just sharing a little bit about my story. When I was in your shoes, I wasn't always a 32-year-old man, okay? I know. Some of you guys are like, wow, he's 32. He's really old, man. I wasn't always this old. I, at one time, was a high school student, believe it or not. And I thought, man, tonight, let me just share a little bit of my journey when I was in high school and how Jesus disrupted my life. Is that cool? 
All right. First, though, I, I need a, a volunteer. Where's my, where's my man? Oh, you're so... I shouldn't have said it the way I said it. I already asked JJ. I need my volunteer that I've already talked to. JJ, hey, I'm so sorry. Forgive me, please. Forgive me. JJ, come on up, man. <clears throat> hey, but Hannah, next, next time, I got you, sis. I love the enthusiasm. All right, JJ, my man, dude, here's what I got. All right, this is a vase. Now, look, man, don't blow this, okay? I've got, <laughs> he's like, what are you talking about? I got special permission from Scott, wherever he is. He's very nervous about this. Because it involves water, which you're about to see. And water and these outlets and these outlets and this very expensive thing and all this does not mix. So Scott's like, I mentioned water and he like leaned forward on it. So don't, don't blow this, all right? Oh, but here, look, this is our safeguard because I'm, I'm smart. That's going to catch all of our water. Okay. Wait, do I have to pour it? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, I got some water here. You got to stay... You got to stay hydrated. You know what I mean? 2020. <laughs> All right. Easy. JJ. All right. Can you go ahead and pour some of this? Also, this seal doesn't work, so if you tilt it too far back, it pours on you. So just pour forward, yeah. This is a nice fleece, man. Did you get this for Christmas? No. That's new. I haven't seen that before. Heathered oatmeal with some shoulder like, pads. Come I, on, man. I have like 18 pullovers. Not a lot. I believe. How much do you want to Keep coming. This is good. You got it. We're not, we won't use all of it, but it's good. Keep coming. Keep coming, man. I can't only go so fast. I know. <laughs> That's good. That's good, man. Gosh, what are you, crazy? All right. I was just going to fill it if you wanted it. Okay. JJ, thanks, man. I got it. You need a swig? <laughs> Shh. Okay. Scott? All right. JJ, so here's where we're going. Okay. By the way, after we're done, I need you to take this off okay. stage. Thanks, man. I forgot to ask. All right. Here's where we're going. I have this rock here. Okay. okay. You want to verify? It's a rock. It is, in fact. Thanks, man. Very, very hard. <laughs> very hard. So, guys, I have this rock. This rock represents our hearts. Okay? Now, I'm going to put this rock in there. Okay? It's going to overflow. No. You think this rock's going to make it overflow? Heck no, Maybe. dude. wow did not account for the weight and uh buoyancy and wow dude could you imagine if that just wow i would i would literally walk out i would literally be like that's my sermon y'all glean from that what you will god is good i'll see you next week all right so the rock is is our heart okay now here's the deal here's the deal the water represents our life Water represents our life. And notice something about it, man. It's very calm, isn't it? It's very tranquil, bro. And if we're honest, this is how we like it, isn't it? I don't care who you are. I don't care how adventurous you are. You're like, oh, I want to travel the world and get student visas and get jobs for like one year in different countries. And then there's so cool Instagram stories. All right, I don't care who you are. (laughs) For as adventurous as you may be, all of us desire a level of normalcy, and as Americans, if we're really honest, we would call that comfort. We gravitate towards comfort. Something that we know that will intentionally test that, push against that, or cause us discomfort, we don't embrace that fully, right? We just don't. So the rock, our heart, is surrounded by our life, and this is how we like it. 
very tranquil, very calm, very comfortable. Now, hey, thanks. Thanks. Appreciate that. Guys, give it up for Molly. That was just taking matters into her own hands, man. Nobody do that with the keyboard, please. Okay, this side of the room, don't, don't take a note. Lucas, no, sit down. Okay, here we go. You have the most important role of all. Okay. You're Jesus. Wow. I know. Sacrilegious much? <laughs> okay. Okay. Jesus. Yeah. Or sandals. I mean, if we're being accurate, you know, you know what I mean? Jesus wants our heart. He wants our heart. But in order to get our heart, he has to disrupt the calm, the normal, the comfort of our life. He has to reach in there and, and get our heart. You know what I'm saying? So, so JJ, I need you to... <laughs> Jesus. Wow, your initials are J. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. So... <laughs> if you turn the other J sideways, it's like a C with a, you know, like a long brow. All right, I'm stretching. I'm stretching. Okay. JC. Jesus Christ, man. Thank you. Okay. I need you to grab the rock without spilling water. Now you filled this up. Now you filled this up, my dude. You know, like I told you to stop, like down here. <laughs> I know. All right. So yeah, you can't you can't chug it. That that'd be funny or anything. Like you have to leave it as is. I need you to grab the rock without spilling water, please. You can do it, man. You can do it. My arm is gonna take up a lot of dude, in that thing. You are you are have you you're jagged, dude, bro. Your wrist muscles are gigantic. <laughs> wow, man. I can't fit in any way. And look at your tarsals and metatarsals. Wow, dude, like. <laughs> Anatomy, not my best. Subject. Okay. You got it, dude. You got it. But look, Scott, he didn't want me to do it because it's water. So you got to be careful, man. You have the plate. I know, the plate, the plate, look. That, I'm smart. I'm smart. Sorry, dude, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, you're right. It's not I literally. Don't spill. Hey! Don't spill the water, my dude. Do you want me to get the rock out? Or do you want me to I want you to get the rock out, but don't spill the water, dude. It's gonna happen. You're, you're, you walk, you walked on water. I am not. You know what I'm saying? Jesus, oh, I oh, right, right, right. Like spilling. pull the Moses and split it. You know what I mean? But don't spill. Don't spill. I'm spilling. Don't, dude. Oh. All right. Can you get the rock though, please? Bro, it's going to spill everywhere. I know. It's okay, man. Scott gave me the green light. Bro, there, there's no way. Scott. Okay. JJ! JJ! Sorry, guys. Sorry. 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 Sorry, guys. Sorry. It, it's... That was a... Um, Guys, I have to save the electronics. You understand, okay? Your phone is less important, okay? Wow. JJ, thanks, man. Look at that. You got the heart. Guys, give it up for JJ. Hey, do you mind? Here, should we pour this back in? All right, very... Yo, you, you faked me out, dude. Oh, good job. 
All right. Wow, there's your Bible. Thanks, man. All right. Guys, give it up for JJ. Hey, thanks. Okay. That's good. That's good. No, that's good. We'll just leave it right there, dude. Right there. Okay. Most distracting visual Matt has ever done. I did it. No, that's not true. One time I dressed up as Jesus. I was teaching these kids, and I was teaching on the ascension when he went back up into heaven. I dressed up as Jesus, and we, and we had, um, I was standing on a scissor lift that we had shrouded in like white cloths, and uh, we made it look like clouds. So I'm teaching the kids, and at a certain point, like I, I, mm, like I started going up in the scissor lift, and it went up so high, I broke the ceiling. Like, I'm trying to teach these kids, and it's like jacking up the ceiling. I'm like, oh my gosh, stop it! That was the most distracting. This comes close. Thanks, man. You can just set those on your chair if you need to. All right, back on track. I'm glad I didn't lose you <laughs> with that one. Okay, so this is our heart. Jesus wants our heart. And honestly, for a lot of us, just sit on the seat, guys. Thanks, man. For a lot of us, maybe not all of us, and that's okay. I don't know where you guys are at in the journey. But for a lot of us, we would say, Jesus, I want you to have my heart. Like, I want, I want you to have this. Because the reality is, for a lot of us, our heart is hard, calloused. In fact, the scriptures even talk about hearts of stone apart from God, hearts of rock. Jesus desires to make our heart soft, living flesh and blood. But that means you're going to get hurt. It means you're going to be vulnerable. It means that you now have to allow Jesus to do what he's going to do with your heart. And oftentimes cracking open the exterior of the heart shell is a painful thing. And so most of us claim, Jesus, I want you to have this, but please don't disrupt the waters. Like, don't disrupt my life in order to get this. And meanwhile, Jesus is kind of standing beside your life and saying, look, dude, like, it's just simple physics. If I go for your heart, it's going to spill over. Like, things are going to get messy. There's no way to actually access your heart. The Hebrews, the word heart is lev in Hebrew. The Hebrews thought heart is like the core of who you are. It's not just an organ. It's, 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 it's like... Every, your soul, your, your, your inners, it's, it's everything about you. Most of us would say, Jesus, I want you to have this, but don't disrupt my comfort. Don't mess up my normal. Like my life right here, my future, the plans I've got, the way I'm approaching it, I want you to take this, but don't mess this up. And Jesus is kind of like, I don't know if you know what you're asking, because that's impossible. I'm a disruptor. It's what I do, and if I'm truly going to get your heart, it's going to disrupt your life. Do you want me to have it or not? When I was 16 years old, I asked Jesus to take my heart. I believed in him for the first time in my life. And it was through this, this passage right here. Very wet Bible now. It was through this passage right here. Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. Jesus is teaching his Sermon on the Mount, his most famous sermon. And at the very, very end of it, it ends at the end of, of Matthew chapter 7. At the very end of it, Jesus is teaching on these op 
opposite ideas, the narrow road and the wide road, the man who built his house on stone as opposed to the man who built his house on sand. And he starts talking about a tree with good fruit and bad fruit. And in the middle of these pairings, verse 21, Jesus says this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Verse 22, on that day, speaking about the final day, the day of judgment that we read about in Revelation when Jesus comes back. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. This is the passage of scripture that led me to believe in Jesus Christ. So here's a little bit of my story. I grew up in the South. Anyone else? Lucas, I know not you, brother. Okay, I know, I know, but you're here now and that's what matters. Anyone else grew up in the South? Yeah? Okay, I grew up in the South. I was actually born, though, in Connecticut. Yankees. Yukon. Okay. And um, my, dad was, uh, my dad was from there. My mom's a Southern Belle. So my house was real interesting. My dad is a Yankee, my mom's a Southerner. But I grew up in Tennessee and then moved to, yeah, represent, rectangle state, and then moved to Kentucky for a few years and then came back to Tennessee to finish out middle school and high school. And I didn't grow up in a home um, where we really believed in anything, which is weird because in the South, it's like cultural normalization. You go to church, you believe in God, you're a good person, like you support the president and all these things, right? Like that's Southern Christianity, American flag and Jesus, okay? And we didn't really do any of that. We went to church occasionally. Uh, I have a few memories of being in church, maybe on like the important things, Mother's Day, Christmas, Easter, <laughs> obviously. And, um, and that was about it. Like it wasn't really discussed in my house. My parents weren't believers. Um, it just wasn't a part of our life, which is odd in the South. If you're from the South, then, then you know how odd this is. Like, it, it was in no way in our proximity. So I grew up, like, not really trying to find Jesus or worship God or whatever. Uh, my parents divorced when I was about 9 or 10. I was in the sixth grade. To this day, I have no idea why. I don't know why. They didn't have the best marriage before that. But I still, to this day, don't know why they divorced. I was old enough to feel it, 10 years old. I was old enough to feel it, but still young enough not to quite understand it. And so, like a lot of little kids, I suppressed it. In fact, my parents' divorce didn't hit me until my sophomore year of college. Whatever bottle I had put those emotions in, the, the cork finally popped, and I'm sitting in this counseling class studying about how to counsel families who are going through dysfunction, and then the pop top, or the top pops, and all of a sudden, all these emotions, I like had a breakdown. I was like, what is that? 
what is this salty discharge from my eyes, right? Like, what is going on? So my parents divorced. Um, my dad moved. My brother and I lived with my mom. My brother, some of you guys don't even know I have a brother. He's the only sibling I have. My brother and I are like polar opposites. And I know a lot of siblings say that, but I mean like as much as you can imagine, in every way you can imagine. We were polar opposites, still are. And he was very outwardly rebellious. So partier, drinking, smoking, drugs. They didn't have vapes yet, but I'm sure he would have vaped too. <laughs> and, um, and I decided, because that broke my mom's heart so much, and, and I wanted to spare my mom of a lot of heartbreak, I decided I won't be a, I'm not going to rebel like my brother and so all of my sins kind of became inward and secretive. I became very, very good at putting on a certain mask or an appearance. Like I made good grades. I was a good kid, right? Like I was very respectful. But inwardly, I was so rotten and I was so hollow. And I was doing so many things that, that no one knew about because I didn't want it to be public. And so when we moved back to Tennessee, I started middle school and... Without my dad there, and without really any strong male influence, I allowed the world to define what manhood would be for me. And so, as a middle schooler, I decided a couple of things. I need to be the top dog, like the alpha. I need to be popular. Because I had just moved from out of state, so it was like, right, time to... I'm the new kid, and I can kind of define this thing. So I, I needed to be popular, and so status, image, became very, very important to me. And the other thing that I was fully convinced of is that my life needs to be and is all about girls as a middle schooler. Those were the two conclusions of what I thought manhood was supposed to be because I allowed the world to define that for me. <clears throat> so I went through middle school and went through high school, um, and in a lot of ways, both of those convictions or both of those goals, I was very successful at. I was very popular. I had a lot of friends. <clears throat> I mean, I'm not bragging, but in eighth grade, I won homecoming king. <laughs> it was like a school of two people, so don't, don't, don't fret too much. And the other was a girl, so she was the queen. Okay. Um, I was popular. And... To my deepest regret, I was very successful with a lot of girls as well. By the time I was a sophomore in high school, <clears throat> I grew up my whole life playing sports, which may surprise you all because I could care less about them now, but I grew up my whole life playing sports, played baseball, pitcher and shortstop, what up, and basketball, and then in high school I played tennis for four years, and, um, and that, that gave me some leverage in terms of my status, popularity, cool factor, which is so lame. Um, and then in terms of the other category, by the time I was in high school, I had some pretty serious addictions to lust and pornography. And because Jesus has replaced my shame with forgiveness, I don't walk around with shame, but immense regret of, the th of what I've done. Um, And so I had all these secret 
sins. And not one of them filled me up. Not one of them made me feel like I was actually alive. They left me so hollow. And every single pursuit left me more hollow than the next. But if you had asked me, hey man, do you think you're a good, good person? I'd be like, yeah. And I would compare myself to someone I knew who I thought was bad. If you had asked me what I thought about God, I'd say, yeah, he's real. Sure, why not? And so I was claiming some things in language and definitely not living in any way towards it. So 16 years old, I have this friend named Corey. Corey um, invites me to church, which was a really, really amazing thing because Corey knew who I was. He knew my life. And Corey decided anyway, dude, why don't you come to church and hang out with us, man? And I shot that dude down so fast. I was like, dude, heck no, man. What are you talking about? And he would ask again and again and again. And every time, dude, I'm not going to church, man. But after months of his persistence, I finally said yes. And I remember I walked into a church on a Wednesday night. I didn't even know churches were open on Wednesday nights. I'd never been to a youth group before or a student ministry. I'd never stepped foot in one in my life, 16 years old. I walked in. I was like, what is this? Like, there were kids playing basketball. There was music going on. There was pizza. I was like, this is not church. This is what's up. Like, you know, like, I don't know what church this is, but I like it. And, and I was introduced for the first time to a youth group. And that night, as God would have it, the youth pastor was preaching a sermon. He, he began a series, and the sermon was about God's design for love and sex. And I remember sitting there like this, oh, how does he know, <laughs> right? Like, and I was just so amazed that he was talking about my heart. And for some reason, that made me want to come back. So I went for like a month, and there was this guy in the youth group that we all looked up to. Every, everyone was like, oh, he, he's like the spiritual leader, man. Everybody looks up to him. He's the bomb. There was this guy, and I had only been there a month, and I could even perceive it. Like, man, this guy, he, he's, he's got this influence in this group. And I remember one night, he stood up in the middle of the room, tears streaming down his face. I mean, imagine, like, I'm about to come up and preach, and, like, I'm just... I'm just going to use you, Jesse, if that's all right. Just, just imagine Jesse stands up before, like, I'm like, hey, everyone, what's up? Welcome. And Jesse's like, hey, Matt, cool that. I got something to say. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, this guy stands up, tears streaming down his face, turns and faces the room. He's like, man, I've been faking it. I'm sitting all the way in the back. It wasn't a rectangular room like this. It was deep. I'm like, all the way in the back. He's like, I've been faking it. He's like weeping. I've been faking it, man. You guys look up to me every, you guys follow me, but I've been faking it. But, but that night, he confessed, but tonight, I, I'm in, man, I'm in. No more faking it, no more pretending, no more masks, I'm in. And that was true. He was. He walked with Jesus after that every day. It was amazing. But I remember sitting in the back of the room and I'm thinking, what is he talking about, dude? What, faking what, right? Didn't grow up in church. Didn't grow up with any context of what belief in Jesus looks like. No clue. Like someone, the, the dude would say, hey, everyone turn to Matthew chapter 7. And I'd be like, well, Matthew's my name. What the heck is a chapter 7? I don't know what you're, like I had no context for this book, for who Jesus was, for anything. And this guy's talking about he's faking it. And I was like, dude, what, what are you faking? You're here. You're physical, tangible. I see you. What you? I don't get it. I left. That was that. And that thought rattled around in my brain for day. Like, what, what was he, 
what, what is he talking about, dude? And if he's faking it, am I faking it? I don't even know what I am, but am I? Like, I just could not let go of this idea. And so I decided to meet with the youth pastor. And so we met. And here's what I told him. Scott. <clears throat> Scott. I think God is real. And when I was really young, I got baptized. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> like, am I good? Gubbish? Like, what does that mean, dude? Like, I. And he opened the Bible. And he turned to Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the one, or the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, on that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord. And then these people actually begin to rattle off a list of all the things they've done for Jesus. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, on that day, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do wonderful things, mighty works in your name? And Jesus will look at them and say, I don't know you. And man, I'm telling you, as a 16-year-old, I'm sitting in his office, and I was like, ooh. And for the first time in my life, someone explained to me the difference between knowing that God is real and knowing God is a friend. Someone explained to me a relationship with your creator is possible through a man who lived 2,000 years ago named Jesus. And explain to me that if I believe that Jesus was real, that he would restore and repair my relationship with God. And dude, I, I like, I'm sitting there, I'm like, this can't be true. I mean, like, it's, it's like fairy tale, right? So we prayed together. We hugged. And I thought there was going to be like this touch by an angel moment. Old school TV show. Yeah, yeah, some of my older folks will know. Yeah, okay. Touch by an angel moment where like this beam of light comes down. And this angel's like, oh, welcome to the family. <laughs> it didn't happen. I actually walked out of his office. I was like, that was it? Man, okay, let down. I went home. Before bed, I said, I, I think Christians pray, right? I don't know how to, I like, dude, I, I have no context, man. I think Christians pray. I don't. I think they talk to God. Seems kind of weird, but okay. So I got on my knees in the floor of my room, and I just said this. I said, God, I don't know if you heard me in Scott's office, but I want you to hear me right now. Like, I do want you. And all of a sudden, I just started weeping. Like, what? The salty discharges it. It hit me again. What is this? I just started weeping. What is happening? I just kept saying, I don't know if you heard me, but I want you to I, I want you. Next day rolls around. Before bed, I, I guess I should pray. I don't know. What, what do you do? Got on my knees. God, I, I don't know if you heard me last night, but I want you to hear me. I, I want you. I just started weeping. This happened every day for seven nights straight. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at the world in a whole new way. Like it's like someone, someone like put new eyeballs in me. Like all of a sudden, I didn't care a lick about being the best or the top dog or the coolest or the alpha or popularity. 
Like by God's grace, he allowed me to see the vanity in that and the foolishness in that and the emptiness in that. And I was able to just let that go. <laughs> like I could care. In fact, I would roll up to school, man. I really would, dude. I was so zealous for, I would roll up. I had this huge Bible with like a cover on it, a zipper, you know, you got to like open it and then there's the combination, you know, and then you open it. Dude, I would roll up with this thing and I'd see, I'd like put out my radar. Okay, oh man, I'd like, I'd like roll up and I would put it against his chest, bow, like slam him up against the lockers. I'd be like, hey man, you want to believe in Jesus? He'd be like, no. And I'd be like, you're going to burn in hell. You want to rethink that? He'd be like, yeah, <laughs> like, I know. I had a lot of passion, not a lot of grace, okay? But dude, I was like, who, who wants to get saved today? Like I, dude, I didn't care about my reputation People started calling me preacher boy. Literally, like, God gave me the power of Moses. Like, I would walk through the hall, and people would be like, <laughs> like, come on through, dude, because we don't want to talk to you. Like, I would just split the halls. The other one, lust, that one took a few years. That one took a few years. Addictions took a few years. Fooling around with girls took a few years. And how, I mean, how pathetic is this? Like, I... As I look back on it now, I think for a lot of what I was doing, more than actually wanting to pursue girls or fool around or do whatever, I think I just wanted to know that I could be wanted. If you were to ask me now, or if you were to ask me then, hey, how did you see yourself then? I would say, dude, like I'm cool. <laughs> like you're so lame 16 year old like I'm cool and like ladies love me like just such a ding dong man I'd punch that dude in. but if you were to ask me now like hey man as you've reflected how do you see yourself I said man if I, if I were really honest with you I think I was deeply angry at the world and at my dad and I think I was wildly insecure and I tried to cover that so that when people looked at me, they would think he's the most confident dude on the planet. He gets girls. He's cool. He plays sports. But inside, I was terrified. It felt so fragile. But by God's grace, he, he did eventually give me victory in this other category as well. And we're going <clears throat> like over 12 years straight without ever looking at porn like um, by God's grace, he's given me victory. I wanted Jesus to have this, my heart. I didn't know how dangerous a prayer that was. You don't have to have the right word, man. You don't have, oh, I got to say the prayer. It's, it's more so your heart. Do you want him to have this? Do you believe that he is who who he says he was? Do you believe he can forgive you? Do you want him to have this? I did. I, as a 16-year-old, I decided I, I want a relationship. I, I want it to be more than just I think God's real and I don't know what that. I want this friendship that's, that Scott, my youth pastor, was describing to me. And so I asked Jesus to have my heart because I was confronted with the truth that I believed God is real in my word not everyone who says to me, Lord, these people were calling him Lord. Like these people acknowledged him. You're Lord, you're Jesus. And I was saying, yeah, God's real. I think God's real. And as a good Southerner, 
I could even point to a few good things. I mean, I've been to church a few times. I've got like a King James Bible. Like, I, you know, I, I, I know a few things, right? And that's what these people, did we not do things for you, Jesus? Did we not prophesy for you? Did we not cast out demons? Did we not do mighty works for you? And Jesus is like, who are you? Look at what he says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father. Jesus makes it really clear. You can't just claim Jesus in name, but not in life. See, most of us have this pitcher of water, right? And our heart's at the bottom, and we want Jesus to come in, take our heart, but don't disrupt my life. Please, I don't want you to disrupt it. I don't want it to overflow. I like what I got going on here. I've got a future. I've got a college picked out. I got plans. I got stuff going on. I figured out the world. Popularity in girls. Jesus, take my heart, but don't disrupt my life. Jesus like, it doesn't work like that. You can't claim me in name, but not in life. To, to believe in Jesus without any action whatsoever is a lie. And to behave for Jesus without any belief whatsoever is a superstition. You're just doing things because you hope that somehow it protects you. Or It's not just claiming his name. It's, it's living this life for him. Jesus is offering a pretty clear invitation. I want to disrupt your life. I want to disrupt your normal. In fact, Jesus is all about disrupting our normal. Let me make waves in the waters of your life. Because unless you let me do that, I can't get to this thing. I can't turn stone into flesh unless you actually give me full access. Jesus is a disruptor. But he's a disruptor in the best way possible. When he disrupted my life, like if you take the average teenage boy and you're like, hey man, I'll make you super popular and you get tons of ladies. How's that sound to you? The average teenage boy is going to be like, hmm, okay, <laughs> right? Like, and Jesus, by God's grace, had something better for me that I couldn't even see yet. But if, if he had asked me, hey man, I'm going to disrupt your life. I'm going to make it so that you're going to lose a lot of friends. In fact, they're going to tease you and make fun of you when this happens. I'm going to make it so that you're going to feel rejected. You're going to feel pretty lonely. And I'm going to ask you to start treating all these girls that you've been, I'm going to ask you to start treating them like my daughters and your sisters because that's what they are. And by the way, Matt, I've got a special one picked out for you. And I want you to salvage whatever you can still have left for her. So I'm going to ask you to halt all that. But if, Dude, if he had stood in front of I'd been like, ah, I don't know, man. That doesn't sound like a good deal. But if he had said, man, I'm going to heal you. I'm going to make it so that you find your worth and identity in me and not the perception that people have of you. I'm going to begin to heal your insecurities and I'm going to fill that hole in your heart so that you don't have to plug it with every single girl you come across. I'm going to heal your childhood wounds. I'm going to take you down some pretty painful roads. I'm going to make you aware of a lot of things. It's going to be painful, but it's going to heal you. 
I'm going to give you a banging wife. You just got to wait for her. I'm going to give you a family. Two boys, and if you guys didn't see my Instagram, and a little girl on the way. Oh, yeah. I'm going to allow you to stand in front of crowds of people and tell them about my incredible love. And the very same thing I did for you that I want to do in their lives and that I'm worth it. If he had told me that, I might have been like, you know what, dude, that does sound pretty good. I'm in. But here's the thing about Jesus. He doesn't often reveal the long game just so that you believe in him. That's conditional belief. I mean, I'll believe as long as you reveal to me that it's going to be good enough. No. All he reveals is, here I am. Do you want me to have your heart or not? And I can tell you from experience, Jesus will take you down roads far better than any you could discover for yourself. He will heal you. He will guide you. He will give you victory. He will, he will give you hope. I think Jesus offers the best life possible, but it's not about what I think. You've got to decide that for yourself. Jesus desires to disrupt your normal, to put his hands in the waters of your life, to shake things up, to overflow it, to spill it out, to change your plans so that he can have your heart. And I know that's scary. Jesus offers no promise that your life is going to be easier or more comfortable, but he does promise it will be better and healed and filled and forgiven. So would you allow Jesus to disrupt the waters of your life, of your normal of your comfort and grab your heart to bring about life change, heart change? Have you settled in? Have you allowed the waters to become still and calm and you're kind of content? Yeah, I claim Jesus in name. Like Jesus, I'm my heart. We love you, Jesus. You're going to do it again, Jesus. Like claiming certain things in language and name. But have you allowed him to have your life to disrupt the waters? You can't have one without the other. Would you give Jesus your heart? Would you allow him to disrupt your normal? Give you a far better future. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. You are a disruptor in the best way possible. And Jesus, I thank you for disrupting my life. When I was a 16-year-old boy, wildly insecure, deeply afraid, totally broken, didn't know what manhood looked like, didn't know what life looked like, just chasing one thing to the next, trying to fill my hole in, in my heart. Thank you for filling it, for being the only thing and the only one who can. I pray, Jesus, over this room that in this new year, that there would be some in this room who have the courage to say, no more. You know what? No more. I'm tired of comfort. I'm tired of complacency. Jesus, disrupt my life, disrupt my normal if it means you get my heart. Jesus, would you, would you prick some of our hearts this very moment and give us the courage to say, I want that. I want that because of who Jesus is because I'm so tired of my own normal. 
Jesus, we ask all this in your name. We love you. Amen.